We teach throughout the year a class that we call Genesis, the beginnings of Gates of the City, and we teach foundational truths in this class. Um, we teach about who we are as a church and a church body. And um, uh, today I, I'm, I'm going to share on those basics seven things that, that I really believe is vital to a person going forward in life and advancing. Seven topics from the Word that I believe are vital for someone to advance in life. Um, one of the things that I notice in the church world, um, I was sharing at a, an alliance, a minister alliance meeting this week here in town. I was sharing the Word with just different ministers and people from this town. And as I was as I was sharing it, this actually there was a uh, there was a policeman that was there present in this group of people, and he knew us from our Thanksgiving and Christmas gifts. He said, "Oh, you're Gates of the City. You're the ones that come and bring us cookies and things. We don't do the same thing for the firemen. I mean, they have opportunities to." to connect with, with the, the police do with the firemen, but, but we do some things for them, and they, they, they know us, so it's good to sow into their lives. But as I, was, as I was sharing some things with these people, um, when it was over with, I, I had a few people talking to me and, and, and sharing some things with me, and um, there is a... There's a big difference in life. There's a big difference in the world of the church of having information, gaining information about who God is and the information from His Word about who He is. Gaining information about you know, who we are as the church, and we talk a lot about that here. But there's another thing in relation to becoming a doer of the Word, a, a person that can hear the Word and can download it into their spirit, into their life, and do something with it. Um, And, and not, not giving a negative judgment, but just, just a judgment across the board. A lot of people in the church world don't know how to do the Word. They, they don't know how to process and take the Word and, and go beyond just information, but taking the information and processing it in, in such a way that elementary truths of the word can grow in you your whole life i mean i mean just the revelation about salvation if you've made a confession and received jesus as your savior in your life and you're born again you, you don't want to take that for granted and just just think that 
that becomes a common thing and it's not, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Amen? Is, is it not a big deal to live in this country? Well, if you've never been out of this country, you might kind of just take it for granted and not think of how blessed we are to live in the, in, in the freedoms and, and, and have the freedom to like meet like this. Um, I, was, I was in another country, a couple of different countries earlier in the year, and I was in the Ukraine in, in, a, in their largest city called Kiev, and uh, we had gone there to you know, do, some, do some work and, and pray for and minister to kids in orphanages and in, in a hospital, a children's hospital. And we get there, and we get word that the government isn't going to let us pray for the kids that are dying in a children's hospital. Fifty children with terminal diseases, all from the ages of about two to about 14. And they weren't going to let us pray for those children. I mean, it, it, that's, that's foreign you know, you, you might get somebody with attitude down at Sid Pete, you know. You might, get, you might go in there and, and want to pray for somebody and somebody has an attitude about you praying, but nobody's going to stop you from praying. We live in a country, and, and no matter what other people think and, and no matter what other people say about our school system and how you can pray, you can't pray, children, young children or teenagers, they can pray in the school. And, and, and that's never stopped. And, and, and people try to use excuses of why we can't, we can't, we can't. No, you, you don't know what you can't is. Until you go to another place in another country, we have great freedoms. But we have great liberty and freedom in this country because of the liberty and the freedom that we experience and that we have in Christ. And the foundational truths of what we have who we are and who he is, those foundational truths from God's word, they have to become a part of us. They can't just be something that we make mental assent about. And there's basic truths in God's word that here at Gates of the City, we have a desire that you know those, but so you can help other people know those. And one of the reasons that we teach that Genesis class is to build some things and get people aware of what foundational truths that you need to know and how you need to know them and how you need to learn to apply them. So I'm just going to, I've got seven topics that we talk about in this Genesis class and I'm going to read two verses of scripture per topic. There's many more scriptures that can go with it, but I'm going to look at two different scriptures per topic and just discuss them and go over these today. And the first one is salvation. And John 3, 5 through 7, where Jesus was in a conversation with a very educated man, Nicodemus, uh, starting with the, the fifth verse of chapter 3, he says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, Water being water of the womb, 
So born a first time and then a second time, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born a second time. Again, you must be born a second time. We have to understand that. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus here, says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. In other words, it's not about how good you are, it's how good he is, right? It's a gift from God. Anybody ever get a gift? We're coming into the Christmas season. Anybody ever get a gift at Christmas and you had to pay for it? No, it's not a gift if you paid for it, right? What do you do with a gift? You receive it. And the gift that has come through the person of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, his willingness to do the Father's will and not his will, his willingness to do the Father's will to die for you and I has set us in this position. By grace are we saved, not of ourselves, for it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast, for we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we get born again a second time, then all the curses and all the generational stuff and all the strongholds of our first birth that all of us have can begin to fall away because now my identification is with second birth, not first birth. Well, but I'm still, you know, I'm still a Wimberley. Yeah. And thank God for family and thank God for bloodlines and all those kind of things. The Bible's real clear about the blessing of those. But we can't let those bloodlines and the generational things affect and contaminate and control our lives. Now my identification is the blood of Jesus. Amen? Not the blood of Wimberleys that flow through me. Now it's the blood of Jesus. I thank God for the first birth. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for first birth. Amen? I thank God for my parents. If they hadn't have fed me and taken care of me, I wouldn't be here today. Thank God for that. But that's not where it ends. It ends with second birth. Amen? Now, the end is actually the beginning. The end of one birth becomes the beginning of the second birth that is for eternity. Because when you're born again, you're in eternity. You're not born again, you're in eternity. Amen? But I want eternity with God. And that's what we get from second birth. That's what we talk about in our Genesis class and, and go into detail on it. The second thing is water baptism. <clears throat> and in Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, And then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me? Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed it. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And suddenly there came a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. 
There's a lot we could talk about right there, but I'm going to say this. If Jesus was baptized in water, then I'm going to be baptized in water. Amen? And the revelation for me personally came in stages, and I've been baptized in water three times because I got greater revelation. I mean, it's, you know, I've made a joke out of that at different times, but it's not a joke. I made a joke that, you know, I had so much stuff in my life, I had to be baptized three times to get it all off, you know. But not really. It, it took me three times to get a hold of the revelation of old things are passed away and hold everything is brand new. When I came up out of the water the third time, I could just see all of my past in the past. Hmm? Akuna Matata. Right? Leave your past in your behind. <laughs> Amen. Acts 2.38. After the day of Pentecost and Peter's been preaching to the people, and it says in verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and to your children. The promise of water baptism, the, the, the promise of salvation, of water baptism, and then the next things that we're going to talk about are to you and your children. The promise is to you and to your children. Amen? And to all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God will call. And you know what? That was then, over 2,000 years ago. This is now, and he's still calling us. Amen? Because he called all of humanity before we were even thought about, before the foundation of the world. How he did that, I don't know, but he did. And so, we see Jesus was baptized we see that the Apostle Peter baptized. We see in other places, we won't look at them today, that the Apostle Paul baptized in water. If we baptize in the early church, we're baptizing in the later church. Amen? And we're baptizing because it's the will of God. And we have to see that and understand it. And that's one of the things we talk about in a little more detail when we teach our class. Um, third thing is baptism of the Holy Spirit. In this same chapter, Acts 2 and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak with other tongues as they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance to speak the tongues. Amen? In, in Acts chapter 19, and I just want to read this passage in light of the salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, starting with verse 1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed or when you were saved? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard there is a Holy Spirit. Or, or in other words, what they were saying was, we didn't know that there was anything different. 
And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after them, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, so they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus, because we saw that's what they did in Acts 2. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So we see a a, a distinct difference in them believing for salvation and then Paul laying hands on them and them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying with other tongues. Not two spirits, two experiences. And that's what we teach. I've... I've been, I, I don't, and I don't mean to sound dramatic when I say this, but honestly, through the years, I've been shocked at how many people don't know that there's two separate experiences. People, if, 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 if somebody has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and begin to make him the Lord of their life, they understand that. But the Bible is so clear, scriptures like this chapter 19, where Paul laid hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they begin to pray with other tongues. There's a purpose in the praying with other tongues. It helps you to go from being saved, being born spiritually, and then growing up. That's what it's about. That's the benefit that we have is when we pray with other tongues that we're praying with unfruitful minds, getting understanding from God that we wouldn't have normally had or that our natural minds could not normally dig out. That's why we need to understand that it's two separate experiences and that's another thing in our basics of our Genesis class that we teach. The fourth thing that we teach is the importance of the Word of God. There's a lot of verses, about five to eight usually, that we'll share in the class, but I'm just going to share with you two of them. And one is in 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. <clears throat> and he says, since, you've been, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, which is the Word of God through the Spirit, in sincere love... Of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You, if, if you're born again today, if you're born again today, the reason that you're born again is because you heard the word of God. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit today, You're baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues because you heard the Word of God. Amen? If you're baptized in water today and it was effective in your life, you heard about baptism from the Word of God. The Word of God is vital above everything else. The Bible says God has exalted His Word even above His name. The Word is Jesus. It, 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 the Word of God is God in action. 
And when we receive from the Word, as I'm sharing these certain topics, these seven topics that we share in this class, to help people to understand who they are and who God is, and what their place is in, in the body of Christ, in a local congregation, you'll see in a couple of the other things that we talk about. But all of this comes from this Word. It's not something that we just dream up. And one of the things that's been interesting through the years is that for to- almost 29 years here in Kerrville, Texas, we've preached this word, and what we preached 29 years ago, we still preach it today and still believe it. But along the way, sometimes people think that, well, I know you said that, but then people begin to question whether you really believe that. And, and that's, that's where the line is drawn in the sand. See, in, in, in my job or my responsibility is to help people in what I preach to really believe this is real. When we talk about a second birth, we're not talking about some fairy tale. It's reality. Right? When we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues, we're not just talking about some idea somebody's had or you know, one group of people talk about it and this group doesn't. We're talking about what the Word says about it. And the next part of this verse here regarding the Word of God says this. All flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers. In other words, the flesh withers. And the flower, the glory of man, falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now watch what word he's talking about. What does he say in the last part of that verse? So, so the word of the Lord endures forever. What word? Now this is the word which by the gospel, the good news, was preached to you. See, there's a process that has to be taught about the Word of God for, some, for people to get it. And that process is you hear the Word preached, but then you do something with what you hear. If you don't do anything with what you hear, then you'll never become a believer of what you heard. Then you're just repeating what someone else said. Well, pastor said this. You know, I'm not really sure I believe it or not. Yeah, because you didn't do anything with what you heard. See, what he's saying here, it's, it's not, the, 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 the uncompromised word is not the word that I'm preaching to you, okay? It's the word that's being preached to you that has the ability to liberate your life. And you need it preached to you so you can do something with it. Did you hear what I said? It's not how eloquent I am and how amazing I am and I'm, this, is a, this is the uncompromised word and every, just hang on every little thing that I'm saying. Yeah, you need to hang on what I'm saying, but you need to hang on it and do something with it. Put it to work. Put some purpose to action in the Word of God and not just, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then just out of sight, out of mind, and I, I'm busy with other things. You can't be busy with other things. You have to have, find time for the Word in the midst of your business. Does God know how busy you are? But does He say that your flesh is going to be, it's here today and gone tomorrow? Okay? 
in, 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 the, in, the, in the time span of, of what God has put us on this planet. If you live to be 160 years old, it's just a little bit compared to eternity on earth. But we're living right now forever. So we can take a deep breath and we can learn this stuff and not be stressed out about life and the things of life. And the more we allow the Word to be a part of us, the less stressed we are about things that are going on around us. That's how vital that the Word of God is. Can you say amen? James 1. Other way. James 1 and verse 21. It says, laying aside, laying aside the things of life, the wickedness of this world and those kind of things. Look what he says. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul, renew your mind, and liberate you from past things of first birth. So no matter where you came from and how many generational things and how much you know you could potentially be the victim of all the issues that happened in your life, God wants you to be liberated and free from that. Only the Word of God, you receiving the Word and implanting it on the inside of you, the Word you're hearing preached today, you, know, you might be sitting there going, oh man, what's Pastor teaching the basics for? You need them. I need to teach him. I need to hear myself teaching him. I'm not saying it like you need him because you don't know anything. We need him. I, I mean, this is the word of God. I'm sharing with you what the word says. And the word will liberate you and empower you to be who you really want to be on the inside. God, all the desires you have, God put them in there. But you will never be that without that engrafted word planted inside of you and renewing your mind on a day-to-day basis look what it says here but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man observing his face in a mirror so here's a mirror and i'm seeing my face for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into that, into that mirror, and he continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in everything he does. Oh my gosh! I mean, did you hear what he just said right there? You put the word before you, and you keep it before you day and night? You'll be blessed at everything you do if you do something with the word you're putting before you. Now, this is what this says. If you don't do that, then you walk in deception. Did you hear me? If you don't, if you don't put the word before you and become a doer of the word, you're deceived. And there's a lot of ways that we as human beings are deceived. And the number one way is that we think more highly of ourselves than we should. You could be sitting there right now saying, yeah, Pastor, you don't know Jack. That's not, that's not true. That's not the way it is. That's not the way it works and on and on and on. And, 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 and what you're doing is 
If you're rejecting what I'm preaching without going to the Word yourself and deciding whether it's true, I promise you, you're deceived. Where you're deceived is in your soul in the way that you think. Because God wants the engrafted Word to change the way you think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way he is. Somebody can tell you all kinds of things about you, but at the end of the day, if you think a certain way about yourself, then that's how you are, no matter what anybody else says. So if you don't take the preached word and do something with it, it'll never change who you are, and you'll stay the same and be deceived and go around the mountain 10 years from now, still going around the same issue. We don't want to be those people. Say, I'm not. Say it again, I'm not. Amen. Say, I'm blessed. In everything that I do. Okay. So that means you're going to do those verses before. Amen. Fifth thing. Number five, prayer. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all. No, it doesn't. It says, therefore I exhort, first of all. <clears throat> therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications... Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men and for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. First of all, first of all, pray. Not first of all, complain. Not first of all, gossip. Not first of all, get mad. Not first of all have to repent all the time over the thing that you do that you shouldn't have done. First of all, pray. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Father, I thank you today in the name of Jesus. You know, when I'm, when I, when I'm mentioning things about my, my, pers my perspective of people not knowing how to be a doer of the word, you, you, you have a judgment, but you don't want the judgment to be a critical judgment. You don't want to look down on somebody because they don't see exactly the way you see something, but you want your words to pray for people that their eyes be opened up. You don't want to pray for somebody to think like you. You want to pray that their eyes be opened up so they can think like him. Amen? Yes. Because you can have some things kind of, you know, a little off. No, you, you want people to think like him. And my prayers and supplications are the word of God coming out of my mouth on behalf of other people. And we, in, in our class, we, we talk about, and, and it's not just the class is some intensive and, and, and covers every little thing about, you know, how, how these seven topics it's just the basic foundations, and you and I need to know it, and that's what we're talking about today. We need to understand the importance of prayer. And the other verse is found in James 5 and verse 16. And it says, the effectual fervent prayer, James 5, uh, the last part of it. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Can, can, do you have that in the, in the uh, Amplified? Can you... Flip that up there for me real quick. And it says, here it is. And it says, the last part of it right there, that, that's it. That's what I was looking for. The earnest, heartfelt, 
continued. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. In other words, your words can be like dynamite. When we see the importance of, first of all, praying before we do other things. First of all. Amen? Number six. We talk about the church. We just came out of a series on loving the house of God. And that, and, and, but, but in what we talk about, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, as we talk about around here a lot, Paul says, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is about the truth. It's about the truth. And what you have to do, and, and, and when we teach this class, we talk about three or four different passages of Scripture that talk about the importance of believing in those who preach and teach the Word to you. Not just hearing another good message, but believing in the ones that minister it to you is what the Scripture says. And Hebrews chapter 13, second verse here, chapter 13, and verse 17 says this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account Let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. What does somebody, I'm an under-shepherd, if you're part of Gates of the City, then your responsibility from the Scripture is to obey the things that are preached. Hear it and do something with it. And submit to the revelation that is coming to you because the revelation that I have is that, that is from this scripture is that my responsibility is to watch over the way you think. To help you in the way that you think. Well, Pastor, that sounds kind of like a cult. Uh, yeah. Kind of cultishy. Because you're either going to think like the world or you're going to think like the Word. And here, our cult is the Word of God. Okay? And now you're looking scared with me, you know what I'm saying. But our cult is not you do what I say. Your responsibility is to submit to what I preach. Remember what we talked about earlier? When he talked about the Word of God, it's the Word you hear preach. Why? And here's one of the main foundational things about church life, and it's this. You had to choose to not sleep in this morning, to get dressed, get in your car, and show up, and by faith receive what I'm telling you. You need to receive and submit to the word that is being preached to you in the heart that it's being preached from. I believe everything I'm telling you today. I'm not just throwing something out there and, yeah, I kind of do it. No, no, I believe this, okay? You're submitting to the fact that you believe I believe it, but then you're submitting to the fact that this preached word is giving me something to dissect 
and process myself so that I know that this is the Word of God. And he said, this is the way it gets to you. You need the Word preached. Otherwise, you can just study the Word on your own and you're the authority. That's a dangerous place to be. You know why? Because we talked about it all last month out of Proverbs chapter 29. Then there's no restraints in your life. Then you can be the ultimate authority. And, and listen, in, in this world and in this life, w- most people think that you are the God of your future. You're the one in control of everything that's going on. There's a, there's a truth to that, but the truth is that I'm in control of my future when I get from him the way my future needs to look. And when I learn that through the word of God and I process those things, then I'm in control of making sure that comes back. I can't blame other people for it not working because God's word works. And there's a lot in this that has to be broken down, and that's why we teach this and stir people's appetites for a greater revelation and understanding of what the Word of God teaches. Not just being a hearer of the Word, but a doer of it, and applying it, and submitting it, and when you do, it changes the way you think, and when you change the way you think, and it lines up with the way God thinks, it's all over but the shout. Like Fabian was talking about today in sowing a seed. See, because sowing a seed when you're in a need goes totally against this. But it goes 100% with this. So this means, so what that means is this is in 100% other direction than this and that. So out there and the thinking out there goes in absolute contradiction to what this is. That's why you have to learn this and spend the time to learn it and and process it and, and, and cause it to be downloaded on the inside of you so that it becomes a way of life. Can you say amen? So when you become convinced that what we're preaching is helping to watch over the way you think, you'll embrace it. I didn't say control. I said watch over it. I mean, (laughs) and, and this isn't some martyr statement or whatever, but listen, when you preach what we preach here, when you preach that, every devil in hell comes after you. Because we don't preach what feels good and we don't preach what sounds good and we don't preach you know there may be some of you sitting out there today and you might not like something or you you know you may shook my hand walking out one day and saying you didn't like something that I said or whatever I didn't change the way I preach I preach what this says and when you preach along what the word says and you're not moved by what people think okay then it helps, it, you, in other words, you're putting something out there that a lot of times people have never heard before. And when you're saying something in a way that people have never heard, I'm giving you basics today, and everybody in here is being blessed by these basics. Everybody. If you're, if you're open to receive, if you're rejecting it and just shutting your mind off because you think you know them, then there's some pride involved, and you've got to get delivered of that. That's why you need the Word. Okay. And number seven, number seven, Matthew 23, 23. 
Number seven is just the understanding of tithes and offerings. We, We talk about it in our Genesis class because our body is all about it, about tithes and offerings. And this is what Jesus says about tithes. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. I've had people that have read this scripture to me over and over. I mean, if I've heard this once, I don't know how many times I've heard this, that it's not God's will now in the New Testament to be a tither. I can't tell you how many people have read that. But, uh, but for some reason, they stopped at that semicolon. Notice he said, justice, he said, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. These, the mercy and the grace and and those things you should do, but don't leave undone the tithing. Just don't put the tithing in a place that it wasn't meant to be. I'm a tither because he says, and that's it. I'm not paying my way into trying to get God to love me and accept me and those kind of things. I'm honoring him with something that belongs to him. And when I do that, the devourer is rebuked and it positions me. It learns to, I learn to position myself under an open heaven, but it has to be something that is a way of life. It's not something I do because it feels good. It's something I do because it's right. And when it becomes a part of me, all hell can't talk you out of it. But I promise you, hell has talked out many, many people, has attempted to talk people out of being tithers. About 8% of the church of Jesus Christ around the world, no, no, in the United States, are tithers. And the Bible's real clear about it. And we believe in it, but you don't have to do it just because we believe in it. You can do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, honoring God in the tithe and doing what it says creates the blessing. It establishes the blessing in your life. But you have to get it. It has to be real to you. Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Prove me that I'll not uh, open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing that there's not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf as a result of that. There's just something about that promise I will never leave in my life. Never. Never, ever, 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 ever leave that. I'm always assured of that. It's always a secure, safe place on the inside of me because I'm a tither because I want to be, not because I have to be. Amen? And then my last verse, Luke 6 and verse 36. Tithing and giving. And this is what it says in regards to giving. Luke 6 and verse 36. Therefore be merciful just as your father is merciful. So there's the example. He's the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, He said, be that way the way you see him that way. Yes? Verse 37, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and and it will be given to you. 
Judge not, verse 37, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. All of those different topics that he's talking about are ways of life. Well, I'll forgive when they do. You'll wait until hell freezes over to see someone forgive you. for No, the Bible says, Jesus said this. I don't know why he said it, but he did. He said, the way you want to be treated, you take the first step and treat people this, the way you want to be treated, and it'll come back to you. Because long as, as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. Seed time and harvest time. Negative or positive. You sow ugly and unforgiveness, you're going to reap the benefits of unforgiveness. So he said, you got to get a picture of the Father, and the only way to get a picture of the Father is through the Word of God. The only way to get a picture of unforgiveness and not condemning and, not, and, and being merciful and being kind and being all the ways that we need to be, the only way to do that, the only way to see the Father is through the Word of God. Only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the living word. And when this word becomes a part of us, it's it's downloaded and broken down and, and, and put on the inside of us. And we begin to see that, then that's the way we operate. Like he and then we become givers because he's a giver. God so loved the world that he gave the best of heaven that you and I would be liberated and free. So so when we talk about seed time and harvest time, when we talk about sowing and reaping, when it, it's not just a, a, a financial thing or a dollar figure. It's the attitude of the heart. So when giving becomes a part of me, it says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men shall give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So however you see that is the way it's going to come back to you. So all of these seven topics that we talk about have to do with building the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the way the gates of hell don't prevail against us is when the word of God becomes revelation to us. It changes the way we think. And when your thinking changes, then your life changes. I'm going to say it again. You want your life to change in certain areas? You have to change the way you think. Amen? Like Fabian was talking about earlier, about God revealing to him certain things about, you know, is, is, is it the will of God, and can he be a millionaire? Can he have this or that or whatever? Well, when he, as he's found that out, maybe he hasn't seen some of those things come to pass, but it starts with the revelation on the inside of you. And when you get that revelation inside of you, and you change the way you think from before, now, you're, now your life will change. Until your thinking changes and it becomes a part of you, that change becomes a part of you, your life will never change. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it works. It's always worked that way. It'll always work that way. God's not a bad God when something's not changing in our life. But I promise you, at Gates of the City, we will stay committed to bringing these seven topics, breaking all these things down through the Word of God and making sure they become a part of your life. Because the basics that I shared with you today, just you hearing this can take you to another level if you do something with what you heard today. That's how powerful this word is. It's not how good I preached it, even though I did a great job, I think. But it's not not how good I did this. 
okay, and delivered it, it's the fact that he said, you need to hear it so you can do something with it. You go into a, you go into a class, you're, you're, you're taking math in college of some sort, and you go into that class, and the teacher starts teaching, well, I'm just ignoring him. Okay, you're going to get a big fat F. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than all that. I don't need to listen to him. I'll just do it myself. No, you've got to pay attention. I mean, in a real world, you know, you know, and I mean, you know, some teachers you really don't need to listen to. But anyway, but, but we've got to pay attention to what we hear so we can do something in making the changes and the alterations that need to be made so we can be who God created us to be. Can you say amen today? So I, I, I want to tell you, I've had a number of different people, and we've had some people join, join the church and become members of the church. And to be a member of Gates of the City, you have to go through this class. So I encourage you, when you see the next one come up, if you're interested in it, just come through the, the whole class. We, we shared a few of the basics of what we talk about, or the seven topics that we go over in just a few of the scriptures. But, but it's good that you go in it because we have some discussion time and things where we can talk through and you can ask questions about it. Um, but to be a member of Gates of the City, you've got to be a member of the body of Jesus Christ because being a member here is only secondary to being a member of the, of the church of Jesus Christ. But then, once you're born again, it's vital and, and first and foremost that God wants you to be planted in the house so you can flourish. Amen? And so that, that's what being a member of this congregation is about. And so you need to go through this class to be, to be that member and, and to be a part in a greater way. But today, my desire has been to give you some of these basics in, in a real elementary way and yet watch and see that the depth of what we talked about today become more alive in you than, it, than it's ever been before. Can you say amen to that?